Thank you for coming back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast. This is Chelsea. And this is Anne, Chelsea's mom. We're so pleased to see the likes on our Facebook page and Instagram. Help us by going to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. This helps promote our podcast and spread awareness about selective mutism. For this episode, we're going to switch it up a little bit, and I'm going to be interviewing Chelsea about what it was like for her to experience SM and anxiety. We haven't discussed any of the questions ahead of time, so let's see how it goes. Okay, so let's jump right in with the first question. Chelsea, do you think you were born with selective mutism, or do you think you developed SM as a child? I think I had ang- I was born with anxiety, and I think selective mutism develops as you're put in social situations, and you develop that pattern. I do remember when you were actually still in a car seat, you put your chin to your shoulder. I just remember I was on the phone talking with my mother one time, and um, she was asking me about the baby and I said well she's shy and my mother said oh she's too young to be shy but I do remember that you were still in the car seat okay next question what is your earliest memory of having selective mutism probably in preschool do you remember what the incident was not like a specific I just remember kids trying to talk to me and getting frustrated that I wouldn't answer them then they would just run away how did that make you feel I don't know Was there, oh, and that was my next question, was there a first incident that made you feel afraid to talk in front of others? I don't think so. Like, it probably started before, like, my memory of it. Actually, I think probably, actually, in the the home itself, just with relatives. Yeah. I think grandparents coming over. Because you did speak to mom and dad. Sometimes, actually, you didn't want to talk with dad. You just wanted mom. Mm -hmm. But my family didn't live near. But when dad's parents would come over, it took you a while to warm up. And then some days you would smile, you would nod, but you were not verbal. Okay, next question. Do you still know people who knew you as a child when you didn't talk? I do. I'm actually friends with a handful of people. And it's interesting. They've been listening to the podcast and a lot of a lot of them have told me that they don't remember me that way and they didn't realize like what I was going through. Like when I talk to friends, they're like, "Oh yeah, you were just shy. Like we were all shy. I was shy too, but they didn't see it as me being completely different, which is interesting cuz I felt like I stood out right we so much um and then i wanted to know out of maybe those friends or is there anyone when you were younger that you didn't speak with because you kind of had a list of people that you didn't speak with is there any of those kids that you speak to now i don't think so but i don't really come in contact with those people but if i but if i saw them at a party i would talk to them probably if they talk to me i'm not just gonna i don't have selective mutism anymore so i'm not gonna And you don't hold a grudge. I guess that's um, what I'm getting at. <laughs> I still kind of do. I just feel like if you're not understanding, I guess when you're little, it's different though. But it, there's still part of me that's like like on edge, like the, that person is hard on me when I was going through a hard time, so I don't really trust them. But okay, I don't yeah, know. That's understandable. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in sixth grade, when you change schools, do you think you would have been ready to change schools sooner I think it was probably the perfect time. Maybe Mm. like one year before. I don't think I would be ready to be put in a new school and start talking before Mm. that. At that point, I was just ready to start over. Because you get to a point where you're like ready to talk, but the the fear of like everyone's reaction is so much bigger than it just makes you more afraid. 
I just wonder, like, as parents, it was, do you feel like it was our decision or your decision? Like, yeah, I was thought it, it was some... my decision. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who wanted to switch. Yeah. Wasn't, but... I think it was my idea. It was, but I kind of wondered, do you feel like we should have thought of that sooner? No. I don't think I would have wanted to before that. On a scale of 0 to 10, how hard was it for you to speak at that new school? 10 being very hard. 0, not hard at all. I think with other... Like, one-on-one or in small groups, like, socially, not in the classroom, pretty easy, a five. And then, like, talking in class, like, a teacher calling on me and having me read something or answer a question would be more like a seven. But I was just so determined to start over, and I didn't want to repeat my old pattern. So I really pushed myself in the beginning, and that set, like, a standard for who I was. And how about in gym class? Because right from the get-go, <laughs> you did participate in gym yeah. starting at that new school. For some reason, I remembered thinking that gym class was like easier there because of the things we played. Mm. Like the games we played and stuff were just easier and less individual. Like I wasn't put on, on the spot for some reason. I know you never want it to be thought of as different, sort of in quotation marks. You, you always want it to be just like the other kids. Do you think parents should openly discuss selective mutism with their children or not label them as selective mutism? I think it, you should definitely talk about it. When I found out there was a name for what I was experiencing, it was comfort, mm-hmm. but it also it did make me feel like there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be very careful in explaining that it's not a permanent thing and it doesn't make mean you're like less than anyone else and you can overcome it. Having that label opens the door to treatment and figuring it out like you're one step closer to getting past i think it's important to talk i mean when you were little we talked about it all the time Mm -hmm. because you can either talk about it or you can pretend nothing's wrong i feel like pretty much every day we reviewed kind of the day and how Mm -hmm. it went and how really kind of how sm affected your day Mm -hmm. and then what we could do differently or maybe ideas of what you could and i think it's it's um, super important to involve the child in their own treatment and in their own progress and review on success or motivating. How am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> You're doing good. Um, when you were younger, how did it make you feel when somebody said you were shy? <laughs> I hated it. You know the answer to that. <laughs> shy was like my least favorite word. Like it made my stomach like flip. I don't know. I can't even figure out why. I just felt like I'm not shy, like, it's because of something else. It's not that I'm a shy person. I just am completely uncomfortable. Like, there's something wrong with my... My brain is doing something weird. I just and remember- <laughs> it's just a way to explain it away. Like, people are like, oh, she's shy. It's like, instead of trying to understand at a deeper level. Well, I think people don't think of kids as having anxiety. I mean, when right. you're out and around town shopping and doing errands yeah. and stuff like that, and people would try to talk to you, and then you would, like, cower or freeze or turn away and they'd be like oh she's shy so it got to be like tell people or I had to tell people do not use the word shy we do not (laughs) use the word shy around Chelsea I feel like it made me so upset yeah you would get mad you got mad that's that was one of the big triggers for me putting putting someone on my list of people I didn't like Mm -hmm. if someone called me shy I was like I'm never gonna be their friend because they don't understand I remember whenever we would get home or get back to the car or something, you would, like, let me know. You were mad that they called you shy. Yeah. I know some pe- a lot of people don't have that problem, it seems like. Being called shy? Yeah, like, they don't get that upset about it. Uh. Some people, like, self-identify as I'm shy. People well, are- that's why I didn't want people to use that word, because then I thought it was enforcing the fact 
I thought you might start thinking of yourself as shy, and I didn't oh. want you being told you were shy. Hmm. And plus, you got mad that people were calling you shy. Yeah, I didn't like it, but that's what I mean. I think there, I've seen people who have selective mutism who say, I'm shy. And I'm like, how are you comfortable with that? Because I hated it, which I guess people just deal with it differently. Well, you have said that you were stubborn before. (laughs) Some of your stubbornness coming through. (laughs) Let me know if you hate being called shy, too. Yeah, I I just assumed it would be a common thread for selective mutism children. We'll find out. Are there ever times you still do not want to talk in front of other people, but you make yourself? Well, I'm not in college anymore, but in like a class setting, I... I really got the urge to like give my input sometimes when I felt like people weren't saying something important. So I would feel like super motivated to say something and I would make myself. And it's kind of like this weird rush I would get. Like my heart pounds really fast, but I can still do it. And I usually feel good about myself as long as my voice isn't shaking. <laughs> but don't you think too, a lot of times we think our voice is shaking, but it's really not. It's just yeah, our nerves. Yeah, I'm just probably more aware of it than other people. So we mentioned before that, um, oh I don't know how old you were, maybe third, fourth, fourth grade. So I had um, painted on your wall the saying, try and fail, but don't fail to try. And you were not happy with me for painting that <laughs> on your wall. You wanted it off. But I said no, because we weren't going to repaint your whole bedroom. Do you think that helped you in any way? <laughs> I don't know. Because I... it was up there for a few years, I think. First of all, I think... One of the reasons that I didn't like it was because I think quotes are cheesy, and I think that quote is cheesy, but that's okay. (laughs) Some quotes are good, I will say that. But I thought it was cheesy and embarrassing, and I thought, like, oh, if someone comes over and reads that, I'm going to have to explain that I have, like, something, like, some weird diagnosis. Oh, I'm sorry. But, um, like, having attention drawn to, like, selective mutism as I was older was hard because I was just, I was, like, ready to be over it, and Mm. I, it felt like like so embarrassing it was more like socially stigmatizing I guess as a fourth grader and a middle schooler so I just wanted it to be over and like get past it and I felt like drawing more attention to it was bad I don't know I definitely think of that quote sometimes I mean I was just trying to (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry that you I felt badly I feel like it does I just wanted you to at least because our thing was always I'd always say well just try as long as you try then you've done your part. Which I did do that a lot. Yeah, and it's and okay to fail. It is okay to as fail. As long as you've tried. And progress isn't linear. You That's have lots true. of ups and downs. Yeah. You're going to mess up. So, I'm sorry, was that a yes that helped you? I don't know. <laughs> it's a maybe. Okay. As a child, when did you feel safest? At home. With my cat. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about my cat yet. No, I know. I've, I've thought of that a few times. <laughs> it's funny, though, because she's... She's relevant because mm-hmm. I got a cat when I was five years old and I was like so connected to her. I always loved animals and I just felt like she was my little comfort animal. And mm-hmm. I think I was more motivated to talk about her than any other topic in the mm-hmm. world because if somebody's talking about cats, I am so much more likely to bring up my cat. That's interesting. I never so, thought of it. I would thought I was just giving you a friend, like a little. I felt bad because you have no <laughs> real friends, and I wanted you to have something, yeah. somebody to love and take care of. Yeah, she was great. I think I can remember though in fifth grade, like I was still afraid to talk in front of people and give presentations. Like I would faint, but my teacher had a white Persian and I had a black oh. Persian, so I just felt I always wanted to talk to her about our cats. And I remember, yeah. like, raising my hand because she would be telling a cat story, and I <laughs> would talk about my cat, and it was, like, the only time I felt, like, 
huh. motivated to talk about something in front of people. I didn't think I knew that, so that's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought probably it was just... like the crazy cat lady. They're like, that girl doesn't talk except for when she talks about cats. Yeah, I just thought of it as like a, you know, a pet for you. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you felt safest at home with your cat. Shout out to Karina. When did you feel the most afraid? At school, in gym class, or presenting, mm-hmm. or if someone made some comment about me. And you identify that as a f- being afraid, like fear? Yeah. Do you? Th- okay, so this is about medication. Oh, boy. Because we did mention before that, I think, what was it, grade two? We did start you on So, Do you think it was right for us to put you on medication as a child? I think you were six years old. I've gone back and forth with that mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. But I definitely think it helped, and I think it reduced anxiety, and there weren't any like negative effects. I think there definitely could be based on your personal experience, but I didn't see any negative effects. I don't think I would have gotten that far. It, it's all about how you like explain it to your kid. I think it's important because I think I did feel like, oh, like this medication is the reason. Like it's not because I overcame it. It's because do I have remem- to rely on this medication. Like, Do you remember us telling you I don't anything remember. about the medication you said that it's not gonna like magically fix everything it's gonna make me feel more comfortable which right. is what it did but it it makes you feel different when you're the only like kindergartner you know that is taking pills every day for the anxiety you know? because, <laughs> because no one else talks about it so you just assume like like there's something wrong with me actually at that time ADHD was like right? really huge and I feel like all these kids were they would have to go to the school nurse to get their ADHD uh, meds. I don't so, remember. Yeah, I just, I don't know. When we decided to do it, I don't know if I had read or whatever. So we, we just wanted to tell you, this is not going to make you talk. This is just going to make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. so that you can do whatever you want to do. Oh, and then my next question was, yeah, do you think it made you dependent on medication later in life? No, um, it's it did. It does. It's like kind of discouraging when you go off of it and you realize that you, it does help and like maybe you need it i do vaguely remember Mm -hmm. somebody sort of saying something like because you were so anxious Mm -hmm. that you may need this again later in life Mm -hmm. something to that effect i have a better understanding of it now i think so Mm. i'm comfortable yeah you've gone on and off over the years kind of a thing just if you need it you need it if you don't you don't Mm -hmm. yeah life changes (laughs) (laughs) adapt yeah so I don't know if you like this question, but no. did having SM affect dating as a teenager, as a young teen? Like when you're first mm. starting to date? Probably. Mm. I think I had kind of low self-esteem. And when you start having a social life after like kind of struggling for years, I don't know, you just latch on to people and you don't want to let them go. So I think I had issues with attachment and breakups I know breaks breakups are hard for everyone especially when you're a kid but I think it was especially hard because I felt like I really connected to someone and that's kind of hard for me and I think it's like extra hard when it feels like you like told someone everything about yourself and then they just cut you out of their life but it's, it's like that in any of it, any, <laughs> yeah. for anybody, I think, not even, yeah. maybe you feel more invested because you had if it's, SM yeah. and you really put yourself out there. I think it's more magnified because you, it's more of a risk to people with selective mutism. Because mm. everyone does have that, you know, oh my God, I've shared my deepest yeah. thoughts and everything with you and now we're breaking up. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. Yep. I can see that. 
do you think it still affects your adult relationships today? Like just at work, not like dating or anything, but just, just, you know, basic relationships with coworkers mm -hmm. or selective mutism. Well, I don't think so. I think anxiety affects my relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I do get really anxious when I'm in a new setting. I recently started a new job working in other people's homes and you're just like meeting new people and working with their child and it's really weird. Um, That's always kind of gives me awkward, a lot of anxiety. I yeah. yeah, I think but, for anybody really that situation. Yeah. yeah, doing like home care type jobs mm -hmm. or anything really where you. I never thought I would be doing this, but yeah. I really like it. <laughs> Once you had mastered speaking to people in most situations, you did still have trouble initiating conversation, and I hadn't actually realized that until I think somebody said it to me. Can you explain why it's more difficult to initiate a conversation with somebody? I know it's harder, but I'm trying to figure out why. So I was thinking about it when I was <laughs> coming up with this question. I'm wondering, I guess, is it the fear that they won't answer you back? Or is it fear that maybe they won't hear your voice? It could be rejection or if someone walks up to you and invites you to something, you're going to be more comfortable than if you're supposed to go up to someone and invite them. Inviting I them, I can see with inviting them, but or playing with them, just asking them. Say what? Say you kind of walk up to somebody. Say what time is it? It really depends on who the person Heard. is, too. Yeah, because mm. you don't know how they're gonna react. I guess. Okay. It's unknown. And then we've kind, we've basically already talked about this one, but my next question was: um, You've always loved animals, and do you think it helped you <laughs> to have a pet as a young child with SM? Yeah. So you, you recommend pets? I do. <laughs> Get a good therapy animal or something. They don't mm -hmm. have to be specifically a therapy animal, but I thought of Karina as a therapy cat. Mm -hmm. And she was very docile. She yeah. was a very um, gentle cat. She let me hug her really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe what it felt like to have sensory issues as a child? Yeah. I want to do a whole episode on this. This is something that I relate to uh, people with autism about a lot now because they have a lot of sensory processing issues too. I can relate to it because I had issues with like textures, I guess, and I wouldn't wear jeans. I'm trying to think if something- Turtlenecks. Certain socks that are like- Leotards. You didn't yeah. like leotards, jeans, uh, Anything that touched my neck, it just made me feel like I was trapped or I was gonna throw up or you just, it's like you can't stop thinking about the sensation and it's super uncomfortable like you can't focus on anything else yeah i think brushing my teeth too yeah like the taste like, like the toothpaste situation was disgusting to me yeah i would like have a really bad gag reflex even i remember when you were little like taking you to the mall like at christmas time forget it because you were just so oh, I don't remember overstimulated that. i just... still experience that part today like i get overstimulated hmm. if there's a lot going on or crowded people. You don't seem to, when you were little. I know. I still have. I've had panic attacks like in the in recent years because I was in huh. a crowd. Just for the record, I don't think I've ever seen. I feel like I've never seen you have a panic attack. You definitely have. Okay. I don't. I don't feel <laughs> it's like it's not I as have. crazy looking as it feels. So maybe it's more internal. Yeah. All I do is sit on the ground. Try, okay. Try I've not seen to you. Faint. Okay. I've seen that. It's but fine. To me, I don't. Yeah. Pretty quiet situation my next question is as a child you did have a couple oh. of chicken nuggets going through a drive-thru but other than that you're vegetarian do you think that that's because of your sensory <laughs> issues as a child oh the vegetarians are gonna judge me for this <laughs> yes i okay so i've always loved animals and i think i remember watching madeline 
And she is like, oh, I'm never going to eat chicken because she, like, fell in love with a pet chicken. <laughs> um, and then she, like, has a protest because she doesn't want them to eat chicken for dinner. But I don't remember that. I, think, I don't think that is, like, the main motivation, though. It's because I have tried meat and I have, I liked chicken nuggets. I like breaded meat. Anything, you always called it slimy. So if yeah. I cook chicken at home, you'd I, say, it's slimy. I think it was sensory. And... I don't know. I've I liked pepperoni. It was yeah. all about texture. Like if it was like steak and I I just couldn't swallow it. Like I've yeah. never finished a hot dog. I've never finished a hamburger. I've been vegetarian since I was like 9 years old. I tell people. Yeah, I think when you were little you only did pepperoni and chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. And in college I tried to eat chicken because I felt like maybe I was lacking in nutrients or something. And I was just like, maybe I can eat chicken now. Like, I'm an adult. And I had, I tried it for like a week and I just was so disgusted. I can't do it. Ah. My next question is, do you think you still have sensory issues as an adult? Or is that something you've overcome? Probably. Probably Especially what? when it comes to food. I think I still do. You do. Struggle yeah. with sensory issues. So then I wanted to know, <laughs> how do you feel about hugging and holding hands? Oh, it depends on the person. I like it if I'm in the mood. Okay. So when you were little to hug you, I know. you would stand with your arms down by your side and yeah. we would have to hug you. You would never hug us back. Yeah. It was more of like, I didn't, I don't think that was sensory. I think it was like expressing emotion mm-hmm. and I didn't want to show feelings. Why is, I don't know though. Why is that part of us? Like, because you're trying to protect yourself. You don't want people knowing it's vulnerable to do any of that. Like, why is that tied to I don't know why it's related. Talking in front of people. Yeah. I didn't want people knowing anything that I liked or, like, I didn't want people to know my preferences about things. It was all secretive. So kind of like you just want to hide. You just want to be invisible. You don't want attention. So anything that's going to draw attention. And I don't know. It's kind of a mystery. So then my next one sort of stems from that. Um, You've always had difficulty expressing feelings. (laughs) Do you feel you have overcome this fear? No. That's tough. I'm sorry. I know you didn't know this was coming. I don't know. In some ways. I think it's hard to put it into words. And it's, like, scary. Hard to put your feelings into yeah. words? Or hard to say why it's no. difficult? Well, both. I think it's hard to express my feelings in words. I'm mm. better with writing. That's true. You're and a good also, writer. It makes me uncomfortable. And mm. I'm afraid of rejection still. And I think you get stuck in patterns. Like, if, like say... I've had friends for years that you're interacting a certain way. You're not going to suddenly change how you interact with that person. Like, I think with some people, I'm more um, emotionally vulnerable because that's how our relationship, like, began. And others were maybe I was more conservative with my feelings. So we've never moved past that. (laughs) But you could. I guess. You could if you wanted to. Yeah. I think it's more like a two-way street for some people. Like, some people just aren't like that. Yeah, some people just aren't emotional. Some people or... are more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had some questions about church and how you <laughs> function at church and things like that. So I just wanted to know, but you did go to a private Catholic school. So you did participate in confession. <laughs> and why do you think you were able to do that? It's very, like, pressured, too. Like, you're kind of, like, told that you don't have a choice. So you're in, in line, my brain, waiting. I was like, there's yeah. no way I'm getting out of this. When you're in there, I think it's not that bad because you're at least in my experience it was kind of old school I don't know if they still do this but there's a divider you cannot see the priest it's just you alone in a room talking basically by yourself all you can hear is his voice but you know he's there you know he can hear you I don't know why it wasn't 
I just felt like I had no choice anyway. Mm. It was scary, but I just did it. I don't remember ever not speaking during confession. Yeah, I was just I, yeah, but I always felt that. like I had to come up with something to say. <laughs> like I would like, what did I do wrong? So I sometimes I would make stuff up and it's like because it was easier to say. Like if something was easier to say, I'm like, that's what I'm gonna say. Like I was okay. like, oh, I was mean to my brother one time. Oh, that's interesting. When they tell you to do, like, ten Hail Marys. Do you prefer to communicate by phone, email, text? Text, but I think I speak for all the millennials. <laughs> that's what I was kind of wondering. But I, like... I have a hard time with phone calls. Mm. I think, do you think your generation does, though, or do you think I don't you... know. I, I was going to talk about this, but maybe not. I worked at a crisis hotline. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up. I know. I don't know if kids are listening. I won't say anything bad. But yeah. I worked at a crisis hotline where I had to answer phone. And it was kind of... It was very unpredictable, obviously. It's a crisis right. hotline. Yeah. And I had... It was almost like selective mutism, but in physical form. Like, mm. I couldn't move my body to answer the phone. And they actually moved me to a different position. Mm. I know that's a highly stressful situation for anyone. So and that maybe. was your undergrad. Yeah. But other than that, like, casual phone calls are... I don't really mind, like, talking to people I know mm. on the phone, but if you told me to call my doctor right now and make an appointment, I would have to really make myself. Yes, I know. Sometimes you <laughs> put it off. You avoid, you put it off. A few months things. ago, my therapist um, had me call all the people on my on my list of things to do. So you're in therapy right now, then? Yeah. Are you still going? I go as needed. <laughs> Oh, did you pick that internship yourself? I did pick that. I don't know why. I thought I could do it. I was trying to challenge myself, and I wanted to know if that was something I could do. I don't think it was. I ended up working in a women's shelter, and I liked that a lot more. But I came in contact with some children, and I, it just solidified the fact that I want to work with kids. Okay. It was a good experience. Um, do you think you'll ever do that again? I don't think I was helpful. I mean, maybe in the shelter, but I, I, don't, mm. I would never do a hotline. I don't think I'm cut out for the it. The right fit. Uh, let's see. Is SM a curse or a blessing? Both. I think it's easier to say it's a blessing now. I think it's a curse for people who don't get out of it. There's adults with selective mutism and there's teenagers and that's a curse. I don't think it's the diagnosis is a curse, but not getting treatment is a curse. What I was thinking is, do you think you've benefited in Mm -hmm. any way from having selective mutism? I think I did, though. As a child. I think it made me very, like... Um, empathetic. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so tuned into, like, how people feel about things, and I think I learned a lot from <laughs> not talking. You absorb so much when you're quiet, and mm-hmm. you can... People act like you're not even there, and you learn so much about people. I think... I'm not just talking about myself, but I so many people with selective mutism or that have overcome it are, like, the nicest, like, compassionate people, and I think they understand things that right, a lot of people it. don't have a different perspective yeah yeah this is kind of the, almost the same question but mm-hmm. do you think selective mutism has made you a better person as an adult yeah mm-hmm. i wish we could have just avoided the whole thing i but know <laughs> would you change having had sm if you could yes definitely yeah I, that's like tiny me talking though it's over now but <laughs> right. so if you could give one piece of advice to parents of kids with sm what would it be? I would say... Or, you know, a recommendation. Be supportive. Or... Be there for them. Just be understanding. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore it. It's not going to go away on okay. its own. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Okay. And then this is my last question. Okay. <laughs> Are you relieved? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just the uh, the flip side of that. If you could say one thing to kids with selective mutism, what would you say to them? 
break it. Let's break it up. Okay. Say a young child and then a teenager. Okay. If you could say one thing to the younger child. I would say that you are super strong and awesome and you're doing a great job and you got to keep going and you're going to get through it. Yep. Good advice. To a teenager with SM, any thoughts or is it the same? Do you think it's the same? I think you've survived like this long with it and you're going to keep surviving and you've learned how to cope in different ways and you got to keep going and figuring out what works for you and how you can improve like one step at a time keep making goals mm -hmm. small goals be a smallest little thing and it's a zigzag too it's not always going to be you're doing better you're doing better you're doing mm -hmm. better and have good days and bad days keep going mm -hmm. you'll get there don't be afraid to get help it's tough to do it on your own absolutely nothing wrong with get going to therapy or going on medication if you need to you don't have to worry about what other people think it's about what helps you okay well you've done wonderful yeah that was scary i know that is scary <laughs> i don't know if uh, yeah. i'm gonna get some crazy questions for you next I'm a, time. yeah i was just gonna say i'm actually a little bit afraid now those were good questions mm. oh good i'm glad you approve <laughs> all right it's a wrap thank you for listening we just looked at our facebook and we now have 200 likes on our facebook page so if you haven't already please go like our page and follow us on Instagram. Um, I announce when our new episodes come out on there. And please share this episode with your friends and family.